This is Pulse 95. You're listening to the Life Beats podcast. Life Beats with Sally Musa, only on Pulse 95. Hello, Allah, and welcome to Life Beats with me, Sally Musa. It is a special show today as we are going to be hearing the story of well-loved community figure Liam Kelly, the author of the Worried William book series, as he is about to reveal for the very first time his 25-year battle with bulimia. It is a story that you do not want to miss here next on Life Beats on Pulse 95. The heart of Shaja. This is Pulse 95. Sally Musa, only on Pulse 95. Last time we covered eating disorders on Life Beats, there was a huge reaction from many of you, including my next guest, who is a male bulimia survivor for 25 years. Liam Kelly hid the disease from family and friends after an incident one summer in his childhood triggered decades of anxiety and insecurity that he's only now coming to terms with. And he's here to tell his story for the very first time. Liam, welcome back to the show. Um, thank you, Sally, for having me today. Um, you know, this is uh, quite big because uh, last time we did the show on eating disorders, there was a, a huge response to it, as I said. But we often think of eating disorders um, and women or girls going through that kind of thing. But boys suffer just as much sometimes and 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 can hide it just as well as you did in your case it was extraordinary to to hear from you 25 years you hid this disease where did it all start for you i was 13 years old and i had an incident one day at a workplace and a guy that was at my school, he was about four or five years older than me, just made a comment and he said, your T-shirt looks a bit tight. And just like that? It was just like an offhand Just an comment. offhand. And yeah. I don't think he meant it in the way that I took it. And But for me, who had suffered from anxiety from the age of six, I, I took it very personal. And that particular day, I could hear everyone laughing. Now, that brought me back seven years until to an incident that happened in my primary school where I could hear people laughing. So when I hear the laughing again, it really, it broke my heart. What was the incident when you were six that started that? Well, Mrs. Carr had given us a big list of spellings and when you're six years old, you have to get 10 out of 10 to make your mum happy and, and th- that, that's, I guess, your, your goal in life is to make your parents happy. So I had practiced all week and I went into school that morning and Mrs. Carr had asked me to come to the front to say a particular word and Mm. the word was look and all week I had been learning it and so I got to the front of the room and the word wouldn't come out. The word come out like and I developed a stutter for many years because of that and as I couldn't say the word everyone was laughing and so I'm standing at the front, very, very hot at this stage because my, my, my whole worries were heating my, my body up. 
So I walked back to the seat and I sat down and I cried inside. I, I couldn't cope with that. I, I didn't know how to cope with it. I didn't know what to say to my mom. And when I got home, I just said to my mom that everything was fine. You know, school was great and stuff. And so I started to hide those worries because I didn't want to let her down. So fast forwarding seven years, when I heard the laughter again, it brought back those memories. So on the way home, I developed a plan that I needed to, to kind of lose weight. But I wasn't overweight. I, I want to put that point across. I wasn't overweight. It was just the T-shirt on that particular day perhaps was a bit tight. So I went home and I walked around my dad's bottom field and I worked out if I ran around it 20 times, I would run four miles. And that was my plan to, to lose this gut, as, as this guy had said. You just wanted to get rid of anything that was going to allow people to laugh at you. Yeah, I was a people pleaser. I, I had to please people because I wasn't the most popular child in, in school. So mm -hmm. I wanted to be popular. So getting rid of my, my gut, I thought would make me popular. That just became, after that comment, front and center for you. That was going to be everything. You focused all your energy on that. Yes. Yeah. And, and I didn't think at that stage it would last 25 years. And so I went home and obviously I had tracked out the, the, the running track around the field. And I, I went to bed and I was heartbroken for the comment. But then I was so happy that I had a plan. Now, I was doing all this on my own. My mom was thinking her boy was happy in life. And that breaks my heart as well because the one person I wanted to tell, I couldn't tell. I think because I didn't know how to say it. I, I didn't know how to say to my mom. Mm. They were laughing at me because I didn't want her to, to worry about me going to, to a particular place. So I was protecting her. But there was one person that I wasn't protecting was myself. Yeah. Yeah. I wasn't looking after myself. But again, I just didn't know how to. At 13, that is just the most vulnerable age, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. For, for boys and for girls. And, and you, you made a good comment before where you said that it's particularly girls that are in the spotlight about eating disorders. That was great for someone like me because no one thought a boy could be have an eating disorder. And... It allowed you to hide even more. Exactly. So I was able to blend into the background, which was great for me. And mm. I, I loved that. Yeah. And so then the next day I woke up and I was still a little bit heartbroken. I was very tired because I didn't sleep because of um, what had this person had said to me. So I got up and I, I went to, to, to work that day. And so I'd come home and my mom, an Irish mom makes a massive dinner by the way like there's loads of potatoes and i used to love drinking milk <laughs> so and we had chicken and i still remember the meal so we had a big plate of potatoes we had chicken and there was broccoli and i had eaten it all up and so i said to my mom i'm just going for a walk mm. over over the lane and my mom was, was happy with that so but i had put on my my running clothes my and my mom kind of looked at me and 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 then she just said, okay, on, on you go. So I was happy. But as I walked from my back door to that field, I could hear that comment of, oh, your T-shirt looks tight, your T-shirt. It just played around in my head. So uh, I went to the, the, the running track, which was 
um, pre-planned the day before, so I was extremely happy. And so I started to run around the, the field. But uh, as I got till about the third or fourth um, lap, I started to feel very tired. And at that particular stage, my dinner had come out. It, it had come out onto the, the field. You'd started running so hard so quickly after yes. the meal that it just, you couldn't keep it in. Yeah, and uh, at this stage, I wasn't on purpose being yep. sick. I, yep. I wasn't. And it just happened by, by accident. So because my dinner was on, was on the floor, I was looking at it and in, in disbelief. And, and then something in my mind said, this is the way forward. Th- this is what we can do. This is your answer. This is my answer. Mm-hmm. I can eat a lot and not put on weight. Because you, you're a normal growing kid. You're enjoying your food. You're supposed to enjoy that yes. food. It is, you know, part of life, right? Yeah. But when you, you are kind of haunted by comments like that, and it's just an offhand thing. That kid didn't think twice 30 seconds after he said it to well, you. Of course he didn't. But to you, it stuck with you in such a way that you just thought, I need to find any way possible to get this food out and to be thinner. Yeah. Yeah. I, t- I just wanted people to look at me and think that I was, was perfect like everybody mm-hmm. else. And, mm. and in my mind, uh, I, I had grown up with my, my worries and I, I kind of was feeling different, but I wasn't. It, it's normal to worry. It, it's, it's normal for children to, to go through worry and anxiety. And at the age of 13, I was feeling even more lonely. But I, I want everyone to know that this isn't my mom's fault, you know. She she's an amazing woman, and <laughs> I love that you keep coming back to her and um, you know recognizing that she, like every other parent, is doing and did the best that she possibly could um, at the time, and it wasn't her fault. We're going to continue in just a moment. We need to take a break. Um, Liam is telling his story for the very first time of suffering with bulimia for 25 years. More to come here on Life Beats. You're You're listening to Pulse95. Pulse95. Life Beats with Sally Musa, only on Pulse95. We've got uh, Liam Kelly with us uh, in the studio. He's telling his story about uh, being a bulimia sufferer for 25 years. So ever since he was at the age of 13, um, you were talking, uh, Liam, about how uh, you you couldn't tell your mom the one person that you really yeah. wanted to open up to because you didn't worry want to worry her. And um, I imagine that that is something that a lot of kids go through. That um, we were just talking a little bit off air about how uh, if you if you as a parent you can sometimes sense things that are going on with your child, yes. but if you try to kind of probe they will back away because they don't want to worry you because they can feel your anxiety as a parent around it as well and and growing up there was nothing worse when when people were saying to you are you okay or what's the matter with you because you just kept saying i'm okay Uh, i'm okay and you just didn't want to explain things. I think for one, I didn't know how to. Yeah. I, I didn't know the, the words to use. Um, there were no conversations around anxiety no. or depression no. or mental health or anything like that. Or, you know, and, and uh, as well for boys, 
particularly even more than girls, you're you're kind of you, you need to be a man. Yeah. Even when you're a boy. And I used to hate that as a boy because there there used to be a thing at school when your teachers would say big boys don't cry and you know things like that and. I wanted to cry, like, yeah. and uh, I wanted to to say to to my teacher and to my mom, like, I, I'm 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 really upset here, and but because society wasn't allowing me at that stage to to cry and to to be opening up about things, I just didn't. So I I kind of hid them, and when my mom would say to me how it was school, and I would just say school was great because it made her happy. Right. Now, if I was to have any conversation about I went to school, someone upset me, that would worry my mom. So therefore, I wouldn't want my mom worrying because that would make me worry more. Yes. And I just didn't want her to worry. Mm. She was she was my whole world. Like, my mom was my superstar. She was my hero. And she still is. Yeah. So it was kind of, I did, I was protecting her. Yeah. And because... 30 years ago, if you were suffering from an eating disorder or depression, you were talked about in the community. And can you imagine being six years old, nine years old, 13 years old, and everyone's talking about, oh, there's the kid that's worried and there's the child that's, that's going through an eating disorder. I didn't want that. So I just hit it. Now, I was able to think about how I was going to hide it. Mm. So nighttime was my time to think about different things, how I was able to hide it. So when I would go to bed, I would be able to think of the different excuses. Now, I'm going to tell you something which is extraordinary. When I was going through the first, the early years of, of my, my battle, there was no internet. So... I had to do everything on my own knowledge. Like there were, I used to buy magazine, like um, health magazines, and get a few um, examples. But then your mom would say, "Why are you buying these magazines?" So yeah. you, you kind of went to the shops and you kind of read them very quickly. So you couldn't take a picture on your phone because right. you had no phone in those days either. So you had to memorize everything. And then at night time, you would go to bed and you'd think, okay, I'm going to do this, I'm going to say this, and make my mom happy. Did it became, become an obsession for you? Absolutely. It just was something you constantly thought about, whether you were eating or exercising or going to school or, you know, in the shops, seeking out the magazines, everything. Yeah. And what made it more difficult was, was that before, I, uh, before 13, I used to comfort eat because it, it really made me feel good when, when I was worrying at school it, it it made me feel good yeah eating the the ice cream and and the the extra fries that we would get at the the chip shop and stuff and i would feel good but then i started to think about the the eating in a more obsessive way mm -hmm. so in those early days because i was because i was eating the potatoes with the milk and, and everything it, it was very easy to 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 force it out yes but then when I was like 14, 15, it, it became more difficult because I was having to think, how can I get it, the food out now? Mm. And then that's when I started to, to use my, my finger. And oh. you were 15 at this stage. Yeah, I was 15. Yeah. So um, now, so this is two years after the initial incident yeah. in, in the field and 
I, I wasn't drinking as much milk at that time, so but I was eating more food. So it was more difficult to, to force it out. Now, at that stage, my, my eyes were starting to to suffer. Now, what I mean by that is is that my eyes were becoming more bloodshot. Mm-hmm. So when I when I would go to the toilet or, or wherever I I was I was forcing myself to to be sick, I would come out with the tissue and start sneezing, so that everyone would think, oh, he's got a cold, so he's sneezing. And that's why his eyes. That's are why like my that. eyes are this this way. That's mm-hmm. why they're red. Mm-hmm. So I started to develop those those sort of little excuses, and and that breaks my heart alone because I didn't want to lie to my mom. And and. That's the the difficult part is is that you go through this and you're every day you're you're forcing a different sort of excuse. Every day there was a new lie. Every yeah. day you had to think of something. Yeah, that must have been exhausting. It, it was very exhausting the first few years, but then you start to to control to control it in a way that it becomes normal, and and then it becomes an addiction. Tell, tell me about how it changed into becoming something that was normal and became an addiction for you. Um, for every every day, I would be thinking, okay, if if I ate say an extra potato or an extra piece of of chicken, right, I have to do something. I can I can I don't want to put on weight because of that comment. So mm. I knew if I had eaten a little bit less, that I'd be okay. Yeah. But if I ate that little bit more, then I have to do something. You had to reduce your your meals. Yeah. So that you would be able to do it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And 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 in those early days as well, um, I wasn't aware that you need to 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 drink water to to soften the the food. So um, again, this was before internet, before all yeah. of the information is now yeah. widely available. No, I I didn't have the internet until I went to university. I think mm. it was about eighteen, nineteen. So yeah. I had five years of self kind of learning all of this, and so. It, it, if if any parent was to say to me, well, what what can I look out for with my child, and especially those early days, it, it's definitely the eyes. Now, the eyes you 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 can't hide the eyes. You know the the eyes are the giveaway. And w- when I look back at my twenty five year battle with this, my eyes were the giveaway. And every single day, but you want to know what the yeah. eyes were in front of everyone. Mm. Everyone seen my eyes, but no one seen what was inside the eyes. And did anybody ask you? Did anybody try to of figure course, out what so was going on? Someone would say to me, "Your eyes are a bit bloodshot," and then I would start rubbing them and say, "Yeah, I, I, I kind of, um, I have got a sore eye, but it dust in it." Yeah, and so it becomes normal, mm. and it, it just becomes it overtakes you it, yeah. it, it it takes over you and for for me those those early few years were perhaps the the most difficult part as well because i was very vulnerable i was still growing up i was still developing into to a man i suppose mm-hmm. and so all, all of these the worries from school the worries about exams the uh, society uh, i was growing up uh, i was struggling with my eating and I was struggling socially you become very withdrawn because when you are sick the next day it's very difficult to concentrate Mm -hmm. because you've got rid of all the nutrients in your body and I think I was about 
14 and my my back teeth started to hurt slightly and I, I kind of started to think this could be because of you know I, I'm being sick all the time and it was because of the acid coming yeah, up every yeah. time you purged and so what I used to do was and, and I haven't told my mom this so this is going to be difficult um I used to go to the shop and buy packets of candy, sweets, and I used to empty them into the the bin. And I used to pretend that I was eating candy after brushing my teeth so that the dentist would say he's eating too much sugar. It's because of that. It wasn't so that nobody would suspect the purging. No one suspect. Incredible. uh, And at 15, I was struggling so much in in life. I'm going to come back give you a break we're going to come back in uh, just a moment and talk a bit more about that and how uh, it impacted Liam as he grew up and uh, we are going to get to the part as well where finally you know this is all coming to the fore because this is a story of hope I I need to emphasize that that you are overcoming it now and uh, this is to uh, allow others to have a voice and to inspire others as well more to come next here on Life Beats you're listening to Pulse 95. Live Beats with Sally Musa, only on Pulse 95. Today, uh, we're coming back to talk about eating disorders, but uh, with a focus on bulimia with Liam Kelly, the author of the Worried William children's book series, which uh, tackles mental health issues for young children um but liam uh, you're sharing the story today for the first time and um it's quite emotional for you yeah. um and uh, we're talking a lot about now you know at in your teenage years 15 16 um how it's just become became normal for you to yes. deal with your bulimia um and this in fact became something that uh, that affected your relationships later on and your life decisions even you changed countries to go to university yeah. So that this part of you would not be found out. Talk yeah. to me a bit about that. So I was completing my A-levels and I was meant to go to Belfast in, in Queen's University. And I was starting to realize at this stage that things were starting to get a little bit out of control. And I, I was struggling to, to control it. Mm. And like, like any eating disorder, it, it starts to take control of you. At first, you're doing it because this is your way of getting control over your life. This is what happens with eating disorders, whether it's, you know, anorexia, whether it's bulimia and others. Um, But this kind of just, it it became beyond your control. Yeah. So for anyone to find out, I just went to, to England to go to university and so that no one would know me and and i kind of thought okay this is a fresh start for me i'm going to go to this country and i'm going to change i'm going to stop Mm. and that was my intention Mm. and i and i think i got there i think we we had a freshers week and there was lots of food and that was it again that um, away i went again yeah so it just started you off started again and it it continued and it, it really affected my my concentration and lessons because if I was eating too much, I wasn't concentrating on, on the lecture. I was concentrating on going home and, and being sick. Yeah, that was like the first thing in yeah. your mind. And and you just kept thinking about that until you you were able to physically do it. Yeah. Were, were there times when you wanted to stop or tried to stop? Uh, I think towards the end of university, I think I got to about, I, I had a few months of 
where, where I wasn't doing it. Mm. And, it and it truly felt great and that we, we we had a, a ball a university ball and I, I was eating some food and something in my mind said you've eaten too much and it, it had come back and it had said to me you need you need to do something here and th- this was at the university ball this wasn't at home or instance so I, I went to the the hotel toilet and I I was sick mm. um, it just it would trigger every now and th- there would always be a trigger that would come back to yeah. you yeah now that that time sticks in my mind more because I had eaten food but I hadn't drinking any fluids yeah so it wasn't coming out yeah and so in terms of then with your relationships it started impacting them as well to the point where you would try to end a relationship before yeah. it got to the stage where the person that you were with would find out yeah. or would have any inkling of what was yeah, going on. Yeah, so so what I would do is I would sabotage relationships to to make them to to finish it because when when you get close to someone you you want to share your life story, you you want to share everything with them, mm-hmm. but I felt ashamed. I, I truly felt ashamed of myself and and I I felt like I was letting everyone down. And I still, I still wanted to say to someone, help me. I, I still wanted to say, can you help me? But I didn't want someone to say, my goodness, wh- what is wrong with this guy? You know, I'm not helping him. And I was scared that they would tell the whole university campus and, and I would be like um, thrown out or something. I was that scared at that stage. And this was totally taken over my life. Yeah. Now I still had to go to university, train to be a teacher, and, and go through my 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 learning, but I was still learning how to cope with other things. I was still learning how to make different excuses. I'm in a different country, so the excuses have to change. Mm. So I, I'm 17, 18, 19. So I can't just have the same excuses I had when I was 13. Now, at this stage, my, my teeth in particular started to hurt a little bit more. And I think I got till about 1920 and I had a, a molar removed from the back of my, my mouth because it was rotten. Mm. And that was so disheartening for me because I'm very conscious about my teeth because I like to smile. So when I was younger, when you smiled, everyone thought you were okay. So I wanted a beautiful smile. Mm. And I just, you know. Your armor was breaking down. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and then it got into to my twenties, and and things just continued for for years. Like it, it was normal. I uh, at this stage, I I started to drink more water, um, but at this stage, I I was drinking the water while I was eating, and so therefore it was a little bit easier to to make yourself sick. So I would use one finger and then I got to my late 20s and then there was a second finger being used because it was becoming more it, it was getting more difficult mm. and I got to my to my 30s and, and I was using three fingers and, and more to, to force it out you, it's practically using y- your whole fist yeah. you just needed to keep doing it yeah so this continued and continued on. Um, yeah. Where where did it kind of reach this point where you thought I, I can't do this anymore? When did that um, happen? I had booked a ticket, um, a few takes to see the Backstreet Boys in Dubai last year, 
I think it was April, April the twentieth. Was it April twentieth? April fourth. Mm. And I, I love the Backstreet Boys, and it, it had a lot of good childhood memories from those days. And and at the Backstreet Boys concert, I was at the back, and I was eating lots of food and stuff. And and but again, I I didn't drink enough water. And I was enjoying myself so much that I was eating lots. Not not because I, I was greedy or anything. It was just because I was having such a fun yeah. night, and and that was one of the best nights of my life and I, g- I got back to the hotel and I I went to the, the, the yeah. yeah yeah that's okay it's alright I went to the toilet to be sick and I couldn't you couldn't do it no okay and I All right, we're going to come back. We're going to take a break. We're going to come back and share what happened next. More to come here on Life Beats. Pulse 95. You're listening to Pulse 95. Pulse 95. It's Pulse 95. Life Beats with Sally Musa only on Pulse 95. We are with Liam Kelly uh, talking about uh, his experience uh, with bulimia. And uh, Liam, we got to a stage where, because uh, w- uh, people have to understand that this is all very fresh for you. This only happened about a year and a half ago yeah. where you got to that point where you thought, I can't do this anymore. No, I, I just couldn't. And that particular night I was talking about, um, one of the best nights of my life, as I explained before, the concert was amazing. Mm. Um, I got to see Mel C from the Spice Scares <laughs> and, and the Backstreet Boys, t- totally amazing. And I got back to the to the hotel and uh, I went to to finally get rid of the, the food that I had eaten because at this stage I had known I had eaten loads. So the mm-hmm. whole concert I was enjoying it, but I knew I was going to go home and, and throw up. Mm-mm-mm. That's, that's, a, that's yeah. the way it was. So I got to the, the toilet and I, I tried to, to be sick and I couldn't. Okay. And I tried to force it. I, I put, um, I tried everything to, to to get it out, and I couldn't. And my my eyes, the the tears were streaming out of my eyes, and it wasn't because I was crying. It was because something inside of me was saying, "You have to stop. You you have to stop." And I could feel the 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 tears hitting my arms, and I'm I'm on the floor at this stage, um, and. All my emotion for the last 25 years was starting to go through my body and saying, you know, you have to do something here. Yeah. And I, I got out of the, the, the bathroom and uh, I, I have a person in my life who's who's my rock. Your partner. Yeah. And she just said, um, are you okay? Yeah. And I said, no. And that was the moment mm-hmm. where you told her. Mm-hmm. You said to her what was going on. I said, for the last 25 years, I've been struggling. And... Wow. I said, help me. And what did she say? She hugged me. Which is everything mm-hmm. that you had been needing for 25 years. And you were afraid of all of that stigma and all of the judgment, and yet here she was. She was she was ready to be there for you. Uh, she, 
she just sat me down and she said, um, when you're ready, you can tell me. And I think I cried for about, I think a good hour. And it wasn't just little tears. It was, <laughs> it was 25 years of hurt. Yes. And just trauma. And trauma. Yeah. She cried as well because she had, she was, I guess she, she was finding it difficult too because she had never experienced this in life either. Yeah. Yeah. And for as soon as I said to her, help me, she said, I can help you. I, I'm here. I'm here. That was it. And from from that date until today, I've been, you know, I haven't been sick or anything. And it's <laughs> going back to saying the Backstreet Boys was the most amazing night for lots of different reasons. I got to see Mel C, I got to see the Backstreet Boys, I heard all my favorite songs and it was the last time that I was able, that I was doing something which I knew was, it just, it was just an amazing night. Yeah. And for every young lad or, or girl out there, um, there is hope. This is the most important thing about this story that this is all about hope and how yeah. it doesn't matter what you're going through and you went yeah. through a lot for the longest time you can come out of it yeah yeah you can come out um, the other side you know it, it's for the last 25 years i can look back now and study it more but without um without feeling that urge to to eat loads i eat lot i eat healthy now um I, i'm still quite obsessive about my weight but i've got a very healthy healthy lifestyle and i drink lots of water i eat the right foods and, and i'm looking after myself now you're looking after yourself physically but also mentally yes. because this is what you're doing now yeah. liam you are such a huge um advocate for children's <laughs> mental health Thank you. Um, you know, you've done incredible things in the in the short time that you have been yeah. writing the book series, the yeah. Worried William book series. You've got more books that are coming yeah. out as well. You give talks all the time yeah. to kids, to families, to parents as yep. well. What um, I need to ask you what your mum's reaction was when you told her, because <laughs> you only told her over the summer. Yeah, I told her home. over the summer and uh, I had said to her that my my worries were were forcing me to 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 be sick and and she she said well you know i was always here for you she was always there for you yeah yeah that's what she said of course of course she was always there for you you worried so much about her and um that stopped you from telling her yeah but um it just it just goes to show really we are there for each other as well yeah and, um, and to be able to trust it a, a bit more w if you could go back what would you change the first thing that, that i would do was i would say to my mom um somebody said something to me that i didn't like yeah yeah but I think in, in society today, we, we need to create a safe environment for, for children to to talk to to parents. And we need an environment where, where there's no judgment. Mm. And I've got a great friend, Laura, who, who I do a lot of talks with. And 
she always tells uh, um, parents, no matter what your child or your, your young teenager will come up to you and say, give them a hug and say, I'm sorry you're going through this. I- I'm sorry you're going through this. I'm here for you. It's not a case of why didn't you tell me? It's a case of I'm here for you now and I'm sorry that you've been through this pain. Just be there for Just them. Just be there, yeah. You don't even have to try and solve it. No. Because a lot of parents worry. They think, I don't know what to do in this situation. What should I do? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, um, and you feel helpless as yeah. a parent. And, you, you know, when, when I was going through my, my, my worries, and I, I used to write a lot because it, it was my only way to talk. I, I couldn't talk to my mom. I couldn't talk to my, my sister. And... Like, like my mom, my sister's m- one of my heroes. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Yeah. And so you wrote, you actually, you've got a poem here. Yeah, yeah. Um, that you wrote that you didn't realize actually related back to that experience. So I, I was 15 and uh, I used to keep a lot of poem books and diaries and uh, I used to be able to hide them very well because, you know, when, whenever I was younger, people used to hide their diaries under their bed because, yeah. you know, that's that's what the way it was years mm-hmm. ago. There, there was no um, the notes app on the phone, so you had to physically write it. Right. So I, I had this little notebook which um, I had got, and I, I found this poem just last year. And somehow I was, uh, was scrolling through the book, and it stood out to me, and... I'm putting it into the second poem book, and um, is it okay? Okay to read it? Please yeah, go yeah. ahead. Absolutely. So, um, as I'm thinking about what to do, my head starts to get further away from the ground. I'm now floating, looking. I guess it happened by accident. I never wanted to think this way. I never wanted to do it this way. But I just want to look like him. Why does he have the strength to run like that? Why does he have the look? It happened by accident. I ate too much and it all came out. I should have been ill, but my illness was my happiness. I could eat what I wanted and never put on weight. I became a professional. I knew the ways. Drink water before, during and after for easy release. I can cope with the headache the next morning because I know I haven't put on a pound. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. That is incredible. So uh, I was 15 at that stage and uh, I was kind of aware of um, everything that was going on. And but, you know, when I was 15, I I didn't think of the how how much it would take over me. Yeah. Yeah. And and that poem is... um, I think if if every person who thinks that they are struggling with with this, I just hope today by talking about this will help someone. And I I, I don't want just to help boys. I want to help girls and boys, adults. I want to help everyone because all you have to do, and it's two easy words in my mind now, is stand up in the person that you trust. You have to trust them because you don't want someone to look at you and say, what's wrong with you? Because then that will make you more closed. You have to trust someone. I know it's the hardest two words that anyone can say when they're going through this is 
help me. Yeah. Reach out and say, yeah. help me. Whether it's, uh, like you said, it has to be somebody that you trust. Yeah. And so now for you, Liam, in terms of dealing with the, the, the mental yeah. trauma and the issues that you've carried with you for yeah. so long. So how are you doing that now? And how are you doing? Um, I, I'm kind of focused on my diet a lot. I My diet's very clean. I drink a lot of water. I make sure that I have that balanced diet. I eat a lot of fish. And because that's what I should have been doing all those years ago, mm. I'm trying to, re to repair myself. And I'm free. And I, I was, I, I was on Instagram last night, and there's a, a very important lady that that you know as well, and she sent me a message saying, "When you talk about it, you'll be free." And I feel free today. This is this is extraordinary. Those, yeah. those two words, I'm free. Yeah. The weight has been lifted. You've been carrying this for so long. Yeah. And there are going to be many others, Liam, who yeah. are carrying this and have been carrying this for years. Yeah. Uh, and they may have kids who are carrying this. Absolutely. And so it's so important for them to listen to this. Yeah. And come back to it. What would be your advice to, to parents who, you know, may see their kids struggling but don't know what to do? Well, there, there, for me, the, when I look back, there are a lot of signs. It, it was definitely the eyes. And it, it's like any child that worries. The, the eyes can't lie. Mm. Because when you look into a child's eyes, what, when you're going through what, what I went through, the, the eyes become very bloodshot because you're forcing things out. And like I'm not saying after one occasion, what's wrong with your eyes? It has to be a pattern. It has to be a number of occasions because... If you say to a child after one time, what's wrong with your with your eyes? They're, they're just going to, to make sure you don't see it the next yeah. time. But, so as a parent, you have to try and, and spot these things. You have to try and keep a record of them. Yeah. Also, it's the uh, over... Children can become quite aggressive whenever they are going through this um, weight fluctuation because children will... The weight will go up and down. Mm. And also, they become more reclusive, withdrawn from friendship groups. They, they kind of want to go to bed earlier and binge eating. They're the telltale signs. Absolutely. And eating uh, smaller amounts as well to make it easier. Yeah, and, and one thing that I used to say to my mom was, um, on the way home, I got a sandwich from the shop. Yeah, so that you wouldn't have to eat at home. Well, so I wouldn't have to eat at home. Yeah. Because there yeah. Were, were periods where I wouldn't eat at all. As well. So yeah. d don't be mistaken that this bulimia is just eating constantly and being sick. Mm -hmm. There are periods of time when you don't eat at all. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's incredible. I think uh, this is going to be just the start, Liam. Uh, and uh, we have to say your publisher is actually in charge. Yeah. You've got your books. Um, we are also hoping to see you at the book fair. Yeah. Next week it is uh, starting. Um, this is just the beginning, uh, yep. Liam. You've d been doing a lot of different things, talking about mental health, opening up conversations that yeah. have not been opened up before. Um, and it's absolutely extraordinary. And I just want to thank you so much. I'm truly, truly, truly honored to have you on the show today and to tell your story, which uh, is just the importance cannot be overestimated. Uh, I'm honored to be here for for 
for you to believe in me to do this and for me it's a it is an honor so thank you thank you liam thank you there's going to be a lot more uh, on this and uh, if you are struggling don't forget as liam said say i need help reach out to those that you trust there are many uh, family, uh, whether it's friends or whether it's a professional, reach out to someone. Don't suffer in silence. Lots more to come here on Life Beats on Pulse 95. This is Pulse 95. Tune in live every weekday from 10 a.m.